0: to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SweE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Jane Willenbring. She is a geomorphologist and associate professor of geological sciences at Stanford University. Her research examines the evolution of the Earth's surface, especially how landscapes are affected by tectonics, climate change, and life on Earth. She is a Geological Society of America Fellow, the recipient of the Antarctica Service Medal, the National Science Foundation Career Award, and the inaugural Marguerite T. Williams Award from the American Geophysical Union. Thanks for joining us today, Jane. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, So we'll just dive right in. Um, In the documentary, Picture a Scientist, you talk about harassment you experienced in the field as an early career researcher and how you later filed a Title
1: IX complaint. What advice do you have to women now coping with harassment? Gosh, that is such a tough question for me to answer because I have mixed views of my experience filing the Title IX complaint. In some sense... A lot of good things happened as a result of it, and we can talk about those later if you want. Um, But it was also such a stressful experience for me dealing with um, just the whole Title IX complaint process. And I think that that's something that at least I didn't appreciate before I experienced it myself. And so when I talk to women who are dealing with harassment and are wondering, you know, if they should file, a complaint or not file a complaint. I always say that, you know, the, the vast majority, I think one study said 95% of people who file workplace complaints are retaliated against. And so you should go into it knowing that and knowing that you have no obligation to science to do anything. You know, um, so I don't tell people that they should report, and I don't tell people that they shouldn't report. I just describe my experiences, which might be completely different from Title IX office experiences at other universities or other workplaces.
0: Yeah, I can certainly understand that everybody's situation will be different. Um, you did mention, you know, the, some some good things came out of it, and we could talk about those. So I kind of want to to know a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. I mean, one good thing <laughs> that came from it, you know, I, I always think I'm a chess player and I always think a couple of moves ahead. And when I thought about the process of filing a Title IX complaint, I have to say, like this range of good things that have happened um resulting from the Title IX complaint weren't even in my wildest imagination. You know, I was I skewed my my sort of the number of options for what would happen next toward the more negative range of of you know possible scenarios. And so some of the things that happened were that um there was a lot of publicity around the case which uh the the initial story that was published in science by Meredith Wadman came out a day after the Harvey Weinstein story that sort of helped reinvigorate the Me Too movement that Toronto Bur- Burks had started. And um, so that was really, I think important when everybody was talking about Me Too um, to have an example from the sciences to look to of just completely egregious behavior. And I, and I think that that was really helpful Back then and then, in the process of, you know, filing the complaint and telling a lot of people about the complaint, I feel like a lot of positive change was spurred on um, on the organization front. So, for example, my professional society adopted new rules about who can become a fellow of that organization. You can't have had um, scientific misconduct on your record. Um, and a lot of the societies started to include scientific or include sexual harassment as part of scientific misconduct, which I think is really important. Uh, also as a result, um, the wide publicity made, you know, Congress and funding bodies realize that they had no way of figuring out if someone had, you know, was, was found to be, a sexual harasser, except if it came out in the newspaper or a magazine. And so they realized that that was probably a bad way of of doing it. And so then they changed the rules at the National Science Foundation so that harassers' um, funding can be um, affected by sexual harassment. Okay. What else?
0: Oh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> some positive strides. I mean, yeah, if there's more, I'd love to hear it. I'm sorry, I thought you were finished.
1: Oh, just just the film Picture a Scientist, I guess. I mean, there have been, I think there there's going on like 1,300 screenings um, around the world, uh, either already that already happened or that are planned in the future. And so that's a huge number of people. And one of the things that I think is so important about this film is that when I do these sort of Q and A's or interviews. A lot of people that listen to it are different set of people from the people who go to, you know, like a seminar at a university about sexual harassment. You go to one of those rooms and it's ninety nine percent women, right? And there's right. usually one man, yeah. <laughs> who came with his wife or something. Um, and so when I have participated in these, they've always been, you know, like sometimes half and half, men and women for departments that have, are doing a viewing. And I think that that's just an incredible step forward. Definitely. I'm, yeah, I haven't
0: gotten the chance to see it myself yet, but it's on my agenda. Um, we did a previous podcast with the directors of the film. So um, those of you who are listening, you can go find that episode on our diverse podcast series as well. Um, and I think an interesting perspective about why they made the the film and and some of the behind the scenes stuff. So I am definitely interested in seeing it. So appreciate, appreciate all of that coming out, um, as, as a result of all of, um, this that you've experienced, did you ever consider leaving the scientist sciences and, and, and what stopped you from doing so since
1: obviously you're still going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so the thing that stopped me from leaving the sciences is at first, uh, spite, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> hey a little bit of stubbornness never hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want um I didn't want to give him the satisfaction, you know? I mean, that's what he wanted and so I didn't I didn't want to give him what he wanted. And then the other thing that stopped me is just that I love doing science. So if I if I just ignore, you know, all of the weird problematic aspects of academia and just focus on the science that is something that i still really enjoy and i i loved nature and thinking about how landscapes change when i was a kid and that is still sort of how i play but yes i i am i started to um i considered leaving many many times as you can imagine um when you watch the film, you'll, you'll understand <laughs> the various points at which I thought about leaving. Definitely. Well, how, um,
0: I'm sure as a result of that and all the rest of your um, outstanding academic success, how, do you, um, how have you taken those lessons and how do you mentor scientists now?
1: Now, I mentor scientists uh, with the idea that I want to be the person that I needed when I was younger. and that has always been sort of my sort of goal on the horizon and recently after talking with with a lot of people about how to best mentor ethnic minorities i have changed that a bit so that it's not so focused on me and my experience and just want to you know ask and create conversations about how people want to be mentored. That's really powerful. Um, You mentioned how much you love the science. So
0: let's talk a little bit about that. What are your current goals as a researcher?
1: Oh, so my current goals are to, so I want to understand how landscapes change. And one of the things that has been almost completely ignored in our field for a long time is the effect of life on landscapes. And so, uh, the, the burgeoning field of eco-geomorphology is one of the areas that I'm really excited about, understanding the dynamic interactions of life and landscape. Fascinating. Um, talking a little bit more about
0: um, you know, maybe keeping people engaged in the field and whatnot, how can others in academia and industry create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their teams?
1: That is a great question. And I am by no means an expert on this. Um, I think one of the things that we think about incorrectly in understanding and trying to solve the "quote unquote" problem of diversity <laughs> in science, or I should say, the problem of the lack of diversity in science and and uh, technology, is that I feel like the real the real disease is different from the symptom that we experience of a lack of diversity. And by that, I mean that if we create an environment that's inclusive and welcoming and feels like home to everybody, where everybody can bring their true selves, then I believe that diversity will follow because it's been shown time after time that, yes, Black girls are interested in science. Yes, you know. Latina women are completely able to do every single thing that a white man is able to do. So it's not that the abilities are different or the interests are different. I truly believe that it is because of attrition and pushing out people one by one in lots of different ways, either microaggressions or overt sexual harassment.
0: Well, I think that's a great piece of advice, though, making sure that people feel included and welcomed is definitely an important piece to the puzzle. Um, you know, on a more personal note, you know, it can be difficult as a working woman, especially one in a leadership role and and, and a lot of commitments as you have to find a healthy work-life balance. Um, what do you do personally to unwind and disconnect from your professional responsibilities?
1: Well, I will let you know <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was like, ooh, so, it's getting deep. <laughs> no, I I actually um, have to work on that myself. I definitely do. You know, I mentioned that I still find science really fun and I really enjoy it. And so I was getting a bit burnt out with a lot of, you know, the administration that comes from being a PI of multiple grants. Um, and so I decided to just put in my schedule times that I can, I only work on science that I find really interesting and I give myself a time to be creative with my science and on weekends and evenings, I don't do anything science related that I don't find fun. So during the workday, I kind of stick to the drudgery of like budgets and time sheets and, you know, writing letters of recommendation, although it is a joy to seeing people go off and do wonderful things after being in my group. Um, But I just like to go down, you know, sometimes to explore an idea, go down a wormhole. And that's still something that I find incredibly fun and that it does recharge my batteries. So I'm lucky that I get to recharge my batteries and also have fun at the same time. Um, I also spend a lot of time with, you know, furry animal pets and my daughter and my husband. Um, but I'm still, I don't know that anyone has this completely worked out. If you do, can you send me an email?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. Probably not. Um, but I do think that's great advice though, is, is, you know, setting aside time for the, the piece of, of your work that really brings you joy and fulfillment. I think it's easy to get stuck in the, in a little treadmill of not allotting enough time to really get in that wormhole, if you will. So I think that's, I think that's great. Definitely. Any,
1: any last thoughts for our listeners today? Well, just to, as soon as you can to watch picture a scientist that filmmakers did such an incredible job of telling the stories of the different scientists and looking at the data and weaving it all together in such a powerful way. I know so many people, men and women, who have just like cried happy and sad tears while, while watching and smiling and laughing. Um, it's really a powerful film. And you can go to pictureascientist.com and uh, request a screening for your own university and um, I, am, I am just a person who appears in it. So I, you know, I'm you i saying that I like it even though I don't have to and had nothing to do with its creation. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, not
0: nothing, but um, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it and I'm sure that many of our listeners are as well. So Jane, thanks again for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insight and also some advice for our current and future
1: engineers and leaders. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm Heather Doty, and for all of us at SWE, thanks for listening.